What in the World Will You Do With Yourself? by Michelle Morin. Floor plans and scholarship applications litter my dining room table these days, and the talk around dinner is all about the future. Life as I know it is about to undergo a drastic change here on this country hill. Having homeschooled a brood of four sons for the past 21 years, I've seen our story trending in this direction and felt the current of life rushing toward the door. I've not missed the significance of the unpredictable number of place settings at dinner, the unexpected date nights when my good husband and I realize we're going to be home alone again. I've become an object of concern to some since the baby has turned 18 and is poised to graduate in the spring. They ask tentatively, kindly, as if perhaps it might be a tender subject for me. What on earth are you going to do with yourself? I'm used to questions. Although I did not realize it at the time, I have since noticed how unusual it is to schlep a shopping cart and four sons through a grocery store. Are they all yours? Was the most common query I received in the season of the loaded blue minivan. But my favorite was the inappropriate and completely boundaryless. Do they all have the same father? What? Today, standing in this liminal space, holding a stack of blue and tan false graph and an indeterminate number of forks, the questions from all the seasons of my mothering life meet and dance in a circle around this emptying nest. In a sense, nothing has changed. The duties are all still there. The food prep, the studying, the laundry, the teaching, the vacuuming, the long listening to friends. The proportions are all that differ. Even in the intense season of four daily math lessons and multiple sports and music drop-offs and pickups, I would have been found rummaging around in the Sermon on the Mount while parked outside the middle school or scrawling lines into a well-flowered notebook while rolling hide-ho. The love is all still there. Little hands still hold loaded paintbrushes and cut gingerbread boys from sticky dough at my kitchen counter, but they belong to my grandchildren now. The concerned phone calls, the proffered wisdom, the checking in, now runs in both directions as our sons have surpassed us in many practical ways, but continue to do us the honor of asking our advice now and then. Band-aids are no longer dispensed on the daily, but encouragement and help to the young women in my life feels a little bit like healing. My mothering life goes on, and this is surely what will lie at the center of whatever response I live my way into in answer to this season's new line of questioning. When the house was perpetually noisy, when pizza was on the menu every Friday, and we argued over which Disney movie to pop into the VCR, I thought I would never forget any of it. I would remember it always, just the way it was. The stories we tell one another about our family in the past have been molded by the shape of our family today. Funny stories become a better memory every year. Wrongs of the past, while still wrong and regrettable, have been so completely forgiven that the sting of the story has been swallowed up in love. Maybe what author Madeline Langle said of herself, looking back upon a full life, is also true of my family. I'm still every age that I've been. The stages of a mothering life are built from a series of moments, now, now, and now, quickly become then. And my family as it is collides in memory with my family as it was. 
an action verb, mothering has always and will continue to comprise elements of giving and telling, listening and nurturing. Mothers in every season are tasked with the creation of safe emotional space long after the need for clean socks and a full lunchbox has expired. What in the world will I do with myself now that my boys have become young men and my mothering in the flesh will soon be primarily a mothering of the spirit? The answer, I believe, will be another question because it has been the question all along. What story do I want to be able to tell going forward? Michelle, thank you so much for sharing this piece and your wisdom with our community. You continue to be a gift to us. Well, I've enjoyed listening to the podcast and reading along, and it's been so, it's been really good for me too. I just love it. Oh, well, it's wonderful. We really especially love the moms who've gone before us who come and share their wisdom with us because I am in the thick of my kids being one year to 13 years old. And so just hearing a little bit about the next stage that's coming is really comforting for me. Mm -hmm. And I know um, mm-hmm. internally as our team was, you know, receiving submissions for this series, when we read this, all of us kind of just took this deep breath of this is so comforting and wonderful to oh. hear from you, just that it's full of so much hope. And so I just want to thank you, especially for this piece. And um, I'd love for you to just be able to tell us a tiny bit about your family, since not everyone knows as much about you as I do. <laughs> Well, I have four sons and the oldest is now 26 and the youngest is 18. So we're poised on the edge of an empty nest. Not quite. Yeah. Um, There are times when it feels very full. When we all get together, there are 10 of us. And that happens not in this era of the coronavirus, but that happens as much as we can. I have one son out in Colorado and I live in Maine. So, you know, we're, we have, we're learning to, um, to love long distance. And that's been a, a new thing for our family. My, my second son and his wife live in Colorado now. So we're kind of adjusting to that and trying to learn all the technology things that will keep us connected. But yeah. um, that's been different. And so I homeschooled the kids. And I still have one who's a senior in high school. Mm-hmm. So we're doing all the you know scholarship applications. And we're um, doing it all again for the fourth time. Yeah. So that wow, we just really appreciate you and love hearing about your family. I have actually subscribed to your blog for a long time. I don't know if you know that, but I get all of your all your little uh, things that you write that go out by your email feed or however that's set up. I would encourage other people if they are encouraged by this piece to go and find your blog and subscribe to it so that they can just see what treasures you collect in your observation of life and simple things. I just have been really blessed by your writing. So, well, thank you for telling me that because yes. I didn't know we can't really tell sometimes. I know. <laughs> yes, no, I've been reading and it's lovely. And um, so I have a couple questions we've been asking writers. I would love to know if you could talk to yourself as a younger mom, what would you want to say to her? Well, I'm afraid I'm going to slip into the role of all the little old ladies that, that, um, <laughs> ran into me at the grocery store when I had my cart full of boys and groceries and frustration. And they would say to me, because they could see what was going on and they would say, Oh dear, it's going to go by so fast. Just enjoy it while it lasts. And I believed them at the time. And I I remember living the cliche that, you know, the days are short, the days are long. How's it go? The days are long, but the years are short. And, but the thing that I would, that I would add to that 
now on this end of things is that it's not merely a perception. It, it's, it's a reality that the, that it doesn't just seem short. Yeah. It really is short. Yeah. And it, it just goes by so quickly and it, it doesn't even just seem that it's, it's not something that is in your imagination because um, I remember uh, when my youngest son was born, mm-hmm. my oldest son was eight. Mm-hmm. And so you're kind of in that right now. Um, but then when my oldest son got married, he was 18. I really only had all four of my sons at home together full time for 10 years. Yeah. It doesn't seem very long. Yeah. In fact, you know, it really doesn't seem long enough. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it went by really quickly and it, and it's staggering to me mm-hmm. that, that it could go by so quickly. So that's that's my advice to those young moms. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you. And it's not just your imagination. It really is going by quickly. Yeah. Yeah. It is a special and precious time, even if it is really challenging. In what ways have you grown or changed as your kids have grown? Well, I think I'm more relational than I was before I had kids. And I think that's something that parenting demands of you. And so you rise to the occasion. But, you know, as our kids grow, well, when they're little, it's also physical. You've got 40 toenails and 40 fingernails besides your own that you're responsible (laughs) for. And you want to make sure everything is maintained. It's all about maintenance. Line them up and put sunscreen on all of them, you know. (laughs) So you're, there's so much physicality to yeah. it. You know, it's, it's all about proximity. And, yeah. but then as I noticed as I got older, they don't need that anymore. Yeah. You know, you're not making all the sandwiches and you're not, you know, they take their own shower. And, and I mean, everything is just, it, you don't, you're not as necessary physically, but you still have that attachment to them because of the relationship. Yeah. So while you're doing all the fingernails and toenails, hopefully you're also uh, praying with them and yeah. reading them good books and mm-hmm. and making play-doh with them and doing things that 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 bring you together because it's so that relationship that stitches you together as they get older yeah. and that's been such a gift you know that that not only do they like us you know they love us they like to spend time with us and I don't take that for granted because mm-hmm. I know it's not always the case yeah that's wonderful Well, um, I know you're in a different spot than many of us who are still in the thick, but what is the best or worst advice you have gotten about parenting? Well, probably the worst advice that I got, or at least I I inferred it from the advice that I was getting, is that I should always be looking for advice. Mm -hmm. I'm a a studier and a a researcher. Mm -hmm. So if if I'm stressed out about something, the first thing I'm going to do is go Google it. Mm -hmm. And of course I was parenting back in the days, you know, the heavy duty part of parenting was happening back in the days before we all had access to the internet. Mm -hmm. So I was reading all the magazines and reading all the books and, and, you know, all the columns about, you know, and Dr. Dobson on the radio and, you know, everything I could get my hands on to try to make sure I was doing it right. Mm -hmm. You know? Yeah. And I, I wish that I had just relaxed a little bit more because I think what I was looking for was, was a formula, yeah, a silver bullet, you know, that, that, and the thing is there were plenty of writers back then that were willing to give me one, mm-hmm. you know, that here, here is your, your answer for eliminating that behavior that's driving you crazy. Mm-hmm. Here's how you should um, pass along your faith your kids or here's how you should ensure that you'll have a confident child and everybody's willing to give you this formula but I think we really just need to become students of our of our individual children because mm-hmm. everything isn't going to work the same in every family and and even within 
within the children in our family, there's so many differences. What worked for one of my kids to motivate them, for example, would, was a disaster mm. for another one of my kids. And I think that's why parenting feels so overwhelming to us sometimes because it's what works great one day. Yeah. <laughs> you know, the wheels come off the next day and it's, it's a crash and burn. It's a moving target. You know? and, and so we're, yeah, we're trying to formulize everything, yeah. formulate some kind of a solution to make it, to make it um, a science, but really it's more of an art and we become a student of our child and then we trust for grace and trust for wisdom for that particular day yeah. with that situation. So that's, that's probably the advice that I would take or, or, go back and change. Yeah. Yeah. I've noticed that there was a pretty big shift in my own perception of parenting, my own vision for what I was doing when I stopped. And I think for a while it was just necessary to see it was an assembly line. Everybody is served a plate one after another and everyone is, you know, (laughs) if they need help getting their bed sheets changed, it's one after another. And it wasn't until several years in with multiple kids that I was like, oh, and you're an individual person who has different needs than this individual person. Yeah. Right. There's still, yeah. still certain so things that have to, to be, there's still certain things that have to be done in an assembly line fashion sure. just for efficiency's sake, but taking the right. time. We don't forget. Yeah. Taking the time to connect with each one and see what is unique and special about them has made me, has given me a lot of freedom to not necessarily pursue fairness in that every single person gets to play mm. soccer. You know, if, if one gets to play soccer, they all get to play soccer. Well, a couple of them would have zero interest in playing soccer, <laughs> you know? So it has given me, right. It'd be a punishment for that. Yeah. So it's given me a lot of freedom to just say, I can zero in on this child's interests and help support and build the skills and confidence that are unique to them. And that is fair, even if it doesn't look the same mm-hmm. as, the next two or three. Yes, that's very wise. We used to tell the boys, everybody gets different blessings. Yeah. And that sometimes helped them to see. Mm-hmm. Well, wonderful. Well, I just have one last question for you. It's a little bit on the lighter side after all of this deep wisdom from you. I really appreciate. Um, <laughs> but I know a lot of people are watching TV right now since we're in shelter mode uh, from COVID-19. And I'd love to know what you're watching that you are enjoying. Well, we... I'm blessed because my husband and I like a lot of the same things. And so that makes it nice because when we do get to watch something together, we can both enjoy it. And it's not torture for anybody. Right now we're watching <clears throat> John Adams. Okay. It's, I think, on Amazon Prime. Yeah. Second president of the United States. And I think it's six or seven episodes and we might be two thirds of the way through it or so. And it's, it's really, it's been good. And it's, it focuses a lot on his relationship with Abigail, which I find to be very encouraging and um, just her importance in his in his not just his personal life but he really depended upon her a lot just to be a sounding board for a lot of his a lot of his career decisions and that yeah. that was good especially back in the late 17 early 1800s the the um, first episode has a tarring and feathering of a British soldier in it which I found to be very alarming mm-hmm. But after that, there was nothing that was bad or, or alarming or upsetting. So that it's been good after that. Well, that's a wonderful recommendation. I definitely want to check it out. Well, good. I hope you enjoy it. Awesome. Well, thanks so much for your time. And we just are so grateful for your writing and your presence on our blog and this podcast feed. And so um, just bless you and hope you have a wonderful week. The Lord bless you too, Emily. Thank you.